Well, hello there, everybody. Happy Monday. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today. Well, we started out the weekend with five Louisiana teams in NCAA regional play in the NCAA baseball playoffs. We're down to one. As of right now, the LSU Tigers are getting ready to start their do-or-die game in Hattiesburg against Southern Miss if they win this one they will go on to the Super Regionals. So best of luck to the LSU Tigers. Uh, A great weekend, if not a sadly short one, for the UL Raging Cajuns. Uh, They played, they they had some great play over the weekend, an upset against TCU, a very, very close one against against Texas A&M and then dropping that last one against TCU. Nonetheless, a stellar season and a lot of right things going on for the Ragin' Cajuns hope to see that continue into next year and subsequent years. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. Hey, here's some good news. The CDC is raising the monkeypox alert in the U.S. to level two. Do you know what that means? That means that they are recommending masks during travel for monkeypox, which the CDC says... That has been most prevalent. The spread of monkeypox has been most prevalent among quote men who have sex with men. Therefore, clearly everybody needs to wear masks because the CDC is clearly comprised of uh, of a certain strain of 1980s evangelical pastors who believe that you can catch the gay from other homosexuals. Uh, so that is your health alert from the CDC. They have raised the monkeypox monkeypox alert to level two in the country, but uh, they are advising that you wear masks for a, uh, to prevent a disease that is spread by skin-on-skin contact. That is why people have been skeptical of masks this entire time. In other news, just looking around the country, some brief headlines. Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago wants people charged with violent crime to stay behind bars. When those charges are brought, these people are guilty, Mayor Lightfoot says. They have a presumption. She admits they have a presumption of in, innocence, but uh, the Chicago police's high standards mean they're guilty if they get charged. The ACLU, I'm sure, although not a friend of the right by any means, the ACLU, I'm sure, would love to have a word with Miss Lightfoot on just how wrong that is. No, if you are charged with something, you are not guilty. You have a presumption of innocence, and under the legal system, certain standards have to be met in order for you to stay behind bars and not be able to get out on bond while awaiting trial. But that's where that, that's the state of the world we live in, where the Democrats will accuse the Republicans and conservatives of being fascist, of, of being uh, against civil rights. But because, and I, I explained this to you on Friday, the Democrats are now so worried about the crime epidemic in the country that they are now going above and beyond trying to get a handle on the problem because they know that's just... Yet another thing that's going to hurt them when November rolls around. But that, all of that is neither here nor there. Because I want to turn to actually something local. And God help me, I'm about to say words that should never be uttered for fear of Moon Grafon getting too big ahead. But Moon was right this morning. Oh, he's right on several things. But there's one thing in particular he was right on. This the this whole the the cameras on the Basin Bridge and and how that is going to do just about everything but actually solve the problem of traffic incidents 
on the Basin Bridge. The cameras aren't going to do anything. All they're going to do is get somebody rich. Somebody's going to get a lot of money out of this camera system. And I told you guys, when this proposal was first brought forward, the biggest issue here is that we're looking for reasons to fine drivers. We're looking for yet more things that will cost taxpayers money. Tax dollars have to go into setting this system up. And then the tax money that is used when these fines are levied because they're cost they're they're because they're caught on camera, that money goes back to the companies. And so these companies will get rich because of people on the Basin Bridge speeding along, and yet there's nothing there to actually deter the speeders and the traffic accidents that happen. So the Basin Bridge is still going to be an utter disaster whenever there is a problem, whenever there's a traffic incident. This is not a solution to the problem. This is a get-rich-quick scheme for somebody out there with traffic cameras. There's no way that just having, there's a sign out there that says traffic cameras, you know, traffic cameras, warning. If you speed, you'll get fined however much. They don't care. The drivers that are speeding along the Basin Bridge don't care. They're speeding along the Basin Bridge so they don't get caught in anything. You speed along the Basin Bridge because you know if you're on there too long, you're going to get stuck behind something. So you want to get on and get off as much as possible. But I mean, it's not like we, you know, can just throw out infrastructure money to expand the Basin Bridge. We can't just add a couple lanes to it. That's a project that would take years. That's not fast enough. We need to do something right now that will get somebody's buddy more money from the state. We can't look at the feasibility of expanding, of finding ways to put more actual police enforcement on the bridge. There's nothing we can do there. All we can do is put up cameras. And the thing, and, and there's something in, in, in a lot of good lines that Moon had on this subject this morning, there's one in particular that he's, he started on, and I, I want to kind of finish this thought out. Somebody's buddy is going to get rich off of this. Somebody's buddy is going to make a ton of money off putting cameras on the Basin Bridge and then those fines going out there. There's a reason that big business or that not not big business. There's a reason that businesses rarely get very big in Louisiana. Unless they have a friend in politics. Because Louisiana is far and away one of the states most guilty of the buddy system in politics. If you've got a friend in Baton Rouge or a friend who's in the legislature, you're going to get the type of business that nobody else is going to have access to. And so you've got a lot of businesses in our communities that come and go. They can't grow. They can't expand unless, and this is you know, with rare exception, unless they've got friends on the inside. I mean, it happens in politics all across the country. Louisiana is just, uh, is just very, very open about it. There are lots of good businesses in the country. Lots of good businesses in the country that could, uh, in the state, that deserve the chance to grow. 
and they rarely get that opportunity to do so because they don't have that friend on the inside. Now, somebody out there with a traffic camera business has a friend on the inside, and they're going to get some business, some good business off the base and bridge. But we can't have other businesses that start the state and really grow and expand because they don't have friends on the inside to make sure that they grow. Our government picks the winners and losers, and the winners are always somebody's buddy. 232-1542. When we come back, Joe Biden's upset, y'all, because he is more unpopular than who he has determined is the worst president in history. Can you guess who that is? We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Joe Biden is not in a good place right now. He has been paying attention to the polling. His polling is bad in every category. And he is now more unpopular than Donald Trump ever was. And he has gone, this, this is coming from Politico, he, he regularly refers to Trump in the White House as the worst president in history. And Biden is more unpopular than Trump ever was. His handling of the economy has been a disaster. The inflation issue, his administration is admitting they didn't see it coming. Okay? They are all over the place in terms of talking about when they actually knew the formula shortage was coming. The situation at the border is not good. In, in to, to be as, uh, as kind about it as possible. It's not good. The president, this is from the Politico story. The president has expressed exasperation that his poll numbers have sunk below those of Donald Trump, who Biden routinely refers to in private as the worst president in history and an existential threat to the nation's democracy. Far more prone to salty language behind the scenes than popularly known, Biden also recently over, uh, erupted over being kept out of the loop about the direness of the baby formula shortage that has gripped parts of the country. According to the White House staffer and a Democrat with knowledge of the conversation, his, he voiced his frustration in a series of phone calls to allies. He complains, uh, his complaints triggered by heart-wrenching cable news coverage of young mothers crying in fear that they could not feed their children. Somehow, based on what the White House has told us, Joe Biden is the most powerful man in the world whose policies will fix all of these problems. And yet he's a bystander where every one of these crises has come about. He's powerless to do anything. He somehow he is both of these things. He is the man who can fix the problem. He is the man that this is unfairly happening to and he has no control over. That's the message that the White House is sending out. There's an easy fix to the Biden administration's problems. All Joe Biden needs to do is one thing. Fire everybody. Every, if Joe Biden has gone into every one of these crises uninformed, if he's gone into every crisis behind the curve, if his administration has failed to predict these things time after time, he needs to fire everybody. 
because you do not have a competent team and they are making you look like an old doddering fool, which admittedly he didn't need help with in the, in the get go, but they are making you look like an old doddering fool because you have been caught off balance again and again and again and again on every single crisis. Why is the problem with the border so bad? I don't know. Maybe you let your team tell you to telegraph that the border was going to be open again once Donald Trump left office. Why is there an energy crisis? Well, maybe if you didn't come in and overturn every Trump uh, executive order that would allow for more drilling and less regulation so that we can keep the energy flowing in the United States, maybe we wouldn't be paying Four fifty a gallon in Louisiana and more across the country. Over uh, over five dollars in California. Let's look at that real quick. Right now, the national average in the U.S. four eighty six, almost four eighty seven. In Louisiana, four fifty two. That is the highest price of gas on record um, in Louisiana. That's our state average, the highest state average in history. Hit again today. Where were we a year ago? 271 a gallon. Right now we're at 245. I'm sorry, 445. We're almost $2 up from a year ago. 50 cents up from where we were a month ago. 25 cents up almost from a week ago. Two cents up from yesterday. It's going to keep going up. And you have estimates out there that show that gas could top a national average of $6 by the end of the summer. Why? Because we're all out of school and summer is when everybody goes on vacation. So we're all traveling a whole lot more in the summer. And we're going to be using more of that gas. And supply will get lower and gas prices will go up. And Biden is still out there giving public addresses saying this is all Vladimir Putin's fault. I'm sorry, Vladimir Putin didn't start his war a year ago when gas on average across uh, Louisiana was $2.71 a gallon. It's not how this works. You had the chance to keep America largely energy independent and you decided against it. That's on you, Mr. President. That's your team. You are enthralled to the far-left environmentalists who say, we can't have any of these fossil fuels going forward. We can't be doing any of this. We can't be drilling. We can't even look at the ocean as a place for drilling. We can't even think about letting these people get back onto land leases to drill. Yeah, we'll say we'll do it, but we'll make sure there's so much red tape in the way that it's going to cost them more to produce. Than, to, than for us to import oil. The baby formula crisis? It didn't take a genius to figure out that shutting down the, uh, the company that makes 40% of the nation's formula surpri- uh, supply would cause a shortage. Oh, and by the way, all those uh, complaints about the kids getting sick from the formula, there were whistleblower complaints from months before that. And the FDA just sat on those and they acted way too late. And then it turns out it wasn't the formula that was doing it. It was something else. If Biden wants to fix the problem, fire everybody. Start over, build a new team. 
he ran on a platform of working with everybody and trying to bring us back to some sort of normalcy and to start working with the other side again. If he wants to do that, hire some, po- some people from the right. Hire people with ideas. Hire people that deal with more than just leftist theory and actually have practical experience in these things. Not that difficult an idea, Mr. President. 232-1542. When we come back, some more stories from around the country I want you to pay attention to. We'll have all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can also find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And email me at joe at redstate.com. There's an interesting shift in our national media outlets that I think is actually important to point out. So CNN has made a couple of pretty important internal decisions that I think will actually make them a better outlet. Not a perfect outlet. They will still be of the left. They will still make the mistakes that we will continue to criticize them for. But things seem to be turning around in the post-Jeff Zucker era of CNN. One of the first things they did was drop the breaking news label from every Chiron that they have on the screen. So if you turn on CNN, you won't see breaking news in front of every little digital panel they have up there, which is good. The overuse of breaking news is part of what's wrong, which is general news coverage in the United States anyway. Uh, But now... Snarky on-screen captions like Angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session, which was an actual Chiron that was uh, that was uh, broadcast at one point. Uh, those are discouraged. Political voices uh, or political shows are now trying to book more conservative voices and producers have been urged to ignore Twitter backlash from the far left and the far right. This is good news. Not paying attention to Twitter and what social media outrage is is demanding will make news coverage just in general better. Booking more conservative voices will be a good thing. Taking breaking news off everything, not having the snarky chirons up there, that makes CNN a better place. Having gotten rid of uh, Chris Cuomo was a fantastic thing. If only they'd get rid of Don Lemon and uh, Brian Stelter next. Jake Tapper has once again been going more forcefully after Democrats and people in the Biden administration. He had some tough interviews on Biden administration officials this past weekend. They were good questions. There was good pushback. Tapper, who I don't always agree with, but I will say is one of the more is one of the more balanced. He's still of the left. I mean, he did originate at Salon. He did work for Democrat politicians before going to CNN. Tapper at least asked tough questions of all sides. And now he's getting more and more time to really do that. He's not having to play a party line guy under the management of Jeff Zucker. This is a good thing for CNN. Now contrast that with the terrible year that Washington Post had last week. So first you've got a reporter, Dave Weigel, who I'm not a fan of, but he's more tolerable than some of the other folks at the Washington Post. He retweeted a YouTuber who, who just tweeted out a joke. All he did, all this Washington Post reporter, Dave Weigel, did was retweet a joke. 
The joke is this, and I'm sorry if you're offended by it. The joke is this. Every girl is bi. You just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual, which objectively is a funny joke. It is a funny joke, okay? I chuckled a bit. It is funny. Is it offensive? Yes, but most humor is based in offensive material. There is always some sort of, some level of maliciousness behind every good joke. Weigel retweeted that. And one of his colleagues, Felicia Sanmez, who, by the way, just recently had a lawsuit against her employer, the Washington Post, dismissed, tweeted out, fantastic to work at a news outlet where retweets like this are allowed. And then she went off the entire weekend on Dave Weigel, on the Washington Post leadership, the editors, everything about the outlet. This is somebody who has sued her own employer, and yet she continues to work there. If you don't like it there, leave. You can do that. You can leave your job. You can go get a job somewhere else. If you are a national political reporter for somebody like the Washington Post, there are journalism doors that open up for you anywhere. Just leave. But she'd rather stay there and whine and complain and moan about what's happening at the paper. And she spent the entire weekend locked in on this. Now, while all of this is going on, by the way, Taylor Lawrence, who I've talked about before, who is a terrible reporter and likes to report on social media without getting any of the facts right and just devolves into bullying people she doesn't like and uses her platform to try to cancel people, she wrote a story about influencers on YouTube who switched a lot of their material on their YouTube page to coverage of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, misrepresented facts, falsely claimed she reached out to some of these people, and when it all came to light that she didn't do any of that, the Washington Post has had to, cre has had to issue correction after correction, and each correction still isn't right because of the depth of the mistakes that she made in her story. She never once reached out to those creators. She never once actually found out how much, she claimed one of them was making $80,000 off of their YouTube page from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard stuff. And that's a blatant misrepresentation of the data, which that YouTuber came out and said, no, if you look at the site she quoted, she said, uh, the site says, that I can that I my ad revenue will generate somewhere between four thousand seven hundred and forty nine and and seventy nine thousand. So she went over the maximum estimate of this site. She rounded up, and that's still not accurate. But it doesn't matter because she is doing a cultural social justice campaign through the mask of a reporter. And all of this is going on. The Washington Post has had to issue correction after correction. They've let her go in and make edits without, without noting corrections on those edits. And then she spent the whole weekend blaming her editors and blaming the conservatives who pointed it out and blaming everybody except herself for her own mistakes. You know why Felicia Sanmez originally sued the Washington Post? Because on the day Kobe Bryant died, she tweeted out a story about a sexual assault case that was settled out of court between Kobe Bryant and another woman. On the day that Kobe Bryant and his daughter died, she tweeted this out and wanted everybody to know that there were allegations of sexual assault against Kobe Bryant. 
And she was suspended from the Washington Post from that. She was told she could not tweet about sexual assault or anything like that because she outed herself as a sexual assault survivor and she was clearly biased in what she was tweeting out. And she was going after somebody who had just died and she was bringing a ton of negative publicity to the Washington Post. She sued them for discrimination because of her status as a sexual assault victim and as a woman. And she lost because she didn't prove that in court. And now she wants to appeal that. And she's still at the Washington Post where she feels she was discriminated at. And now she's going, she's just up in arms over this issue, something that somebody retweeted. It wasn't even something they actually said. It was something they retweeted. A joke on the internet. And the Washington Post suspended Dave Weigel for retweeting an objectively funny joke by somebody else. And Taylor Lawrence, who has made error after error, who uh, seems to have graduated from the Stephen Glass School of Journalism, Taylor Lawrence is allowed to keep her job and not suspended at all for making some of the most basic journalism mistakes possible. At some point, the Washington Post needs to go in and fix some things. CNN's trying to do it. CNN's getting better. They're not the best, okay? CNN will never be the best. CNN will never be somebody that I go to for straight objective news coverage because they are still of the left, but they are trying to get better. But the Washington Post is devolving further and further and further into this social justice warrior cause among its writing staff. It's becoming just like the New York Times. Which sucks because I used to like reading the Washington Post because, yes, they were of the left, but they still offer some of the better news coverage out there. But the Washington Post is now all in on the social justice stuff. And they're allowing Taylor Lawrence to run amok in their newsroom and they're suspending, a, a, not a decent, but half-decent reporter and Dave Weigel because he retweeted a joke. And people wonder why the media has so little trust from the American public. 232-1542, if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. When we come back, uh, let's see. A couple more stories to touch on when we come back after this break here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk, 96.5 KPL. Well, get ready, folks. The circus continues. The January 6th committee is going to start holding its hearings, and they promise to be entertaining, if not completely counterfactual. This is Joe Cunningham on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5. The committee, which has been pushing for trying to keep the riot on January 6th alive in the minds of voters, they're going to start holding the hearings. But right now, there's a partisan divide. Several Democrats on the committee want to make a recommendation to abolish the Electoral College, which has no bearing whatsoever on anything that happened on January 6th, but they still want to push for it. The rest want to focus strictly on charges against the rioters and coming down, coming up with the clear case of who is at fault and was this an insurrection attempt. They're going to come out and say that, yes, we think this was an insurrection attempt. And it's going to have no force of law or anything like that, but it is an electoral issue. They're going to make it an election issue. But yes, some of the Democrats, surprise, surprise want there to be a move, a push from this committee to call for 
the end of the Electoral College in the United States, in federal elections, in, in the presidential election. This is the opportunity the Democrats have wanted. They're going to use the popular vote and get rid of the Electoral College. And it's going to be, it's going to go nowhere. The Democrats, some of the mo more outspoken voices, want that to be the case. But they really don't want to take part. They, they really don't want, the Democrats as a whole don't want to go that far. There is good news, though. If you are like me, you actually will live forever. I don't know if Mark is going to live forever. But a new study shows that I am going to live forever. There's a new study out that shows coffee lengthens your life, reduces the risk of dementia, reduces the risk of stroke and heart failure, protects against type 2 diabetes, prostate cancer, and liver disease, boosts your mood, especially during wintertime when we have fewer hours of daylight. So I don't know if the caffeine is making me awake and making life seem longer or if I'm actually going to be living longer, but thank God for coffee which during the school year I drink far too much of to keep up with the students during the day. But I'm glad to do it because now apparently I am doing everything I can to lengthen my life. So good news, coffee will be our savior yet again. Before we get out of here, one more story. This one from Politico. Spiking inflation is pushing up taxes on a group that lawmakers are loath to cross, the elderly. While social studies... Uh, Sorry, social, social Security benefits increase along with rising prices, and seniors just received a fat cost of living adjustment. The threshold at which they can begin to owe taxes on that money is not adjusted for inflation and hasn't changed since the Reagan administration. Since 1984, Social Security recipients have become, the sub, have become subject to tax on their benefits when they make more than $25,000 as individuals and $32,000 for couples. Now government forecasters say surging inflation is pushing more people over those limits. It's a big reason why the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office sees the share of Social Security benefits subject to tax growing by 10% this year and another 10% next year. It, pretends, it predicts total income taxes paid on those checks will jump this year by 37%. In other words, because of Biden's inflation crisis, and yes, it is Biden's inflation crisis, because it, while they want to say global inflation, U.S. inflation has jumped much higher than the inflation that's hit the rest of the countries around the world. Because of Biden's inflation, the elderly, Social Security benefits recipients will be, will be taxed more for their benefits. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the group most likely to vote in elections. Anyone who receives Social Security benefits, older voters, older retirees, they are the ones who go out and vote most regularly. And right now, they're looking down the barrel of a massive tax spike on their Social Security benefits. From Politico, many Democrats have been concerned about the tax bite on seniors, which effectively rescinds a portion of their benefits, and a key lawmaker uh, has proposed raising the outdated tax thresholds. Many have endorsed legislation by Representative John Larson, a Democrat of Connecticut, 
who w- that would hike those limits, but lawmakers are unlikely to act anytime soon. In the meantime, that is giving Republicans a new opening in their drumbeat of criticism over the administration's response to the worst inflation in decades. Inflation is a tax and hits seniors on fixed incomes especially hard thanks to President Biden, said Representative Kevin Brady of Texas, the top Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee. Higher fuel, food, utilities, and now higher taxes on their Social Security benefits are pushing the elderly with are punishing the elderly with no end in sight. Larson countered Republicans will complain about Social Security inflation, but they won't work with us on a plan. Sorry, Representative Larson, your plan has been to do nothing. The Democrats have had no plan to do anything about inflation from the get-go. The Democrats were trying to convince us it was transitory. And then what did the Democrats also try to do? They tried to pass a bunch of unrelated bills that they said would impact inflation, but really have no bearing on it whatsoever. So the Democrats saying Republicans won't work with Democrats to come up with a plan. The Democrats have no plan. They want the Republicans to give out a plan that the Democrats can then reject and go with their own thing. So they can call the Republicans out of touch and say, this is why you need to reelect us in November because the Republicans don't have a clue. The Democrats having no clue is why we are where we are. But back to the main point, a inflation is creating a huge tax burden on the elderly. And that is yet another demographic group that will side with the Republicans against every demographic group. the The Democrats are losing at this point. Black voters are not going to show up in the polls. Hispanic voters and suburban women are flipping to the Republicans. And elderly voters, retirees, will be flipping to the Republicans. All right, folks, before we get out of here, just a note. Tomorrow night, the Taste of Acadiana 2022 happening in conjunction with the Louisiana Seafood Cook-Off at the Cajun Dome Convention Center. Now, tickets are $25 each, and you'll have the chance to sample dishes from some of the restaurants participating in Eat Lafayette this summer. The restaurants that are a part of Eat Lafayette have to be locally owned and operated in order to participate. But if you don't want to pay the 25 bucks, Right after we go off the air, all you've got to do is be the fifth caller and you can win a pair of tickets. Come by the station and pick those up and you will have your chance to enter the Taste of Acadiana tomorrow night at the Cajun Dome. Doors open at 530. Be the fifth caller after we go off the air and you can get those tickets. In the meantime, I'll talk to you guys again in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL.